Love Talk Radio. Great joy and good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming and centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the, really the most fascinating and the most helpful people in the beauty business community from around our terrestrial orb. I am Bart Jackson, the Hieronymus Bosch of business. Look it up. And today, you, Mr. Business Launching Entrepreneur, you are going to discover how to get the law and the attorneys working on your side, finally. This very hour, you will sit at the feet and learn from the amazingly experienced and prolific attorney, Mr. Philip Crowley, who has spent three decades plus leading Johnson and Johnson's law department, and that's just one of his, his sort of arm-long list of credentials. And Phil is going to reveal to you uh, not only why the entrepreneur abs- abs- absolutely requires an attorney, but how to make the most of her when she's on your side. So, whether you are the owner of a long-established one-person presentation coaching company trying to make us foolish mortals more comprehensible, like Eileen, or you're the newly appointed leader of a five guys in a dorm cluster with a great new soul invention, like Peter, pull up your chair a little closer, join our Feast of Wisdom, and all of which is cleverly cooked up to make your career thrive and your ventures flourish. Phil, I'm so glad you could break free and share some of your unfortunately uncommon knowledge with us. Um, how are things going with you? Oh, they are going great. I've got a wonderful stable of clients who are a group of very committed and passionate uh, entrepreneurs who are doing some great things and having an impact on the business world. And for me, that's fun. The only people I've found who are as exciting as worldwide explorers are entrepreneurs. They're both doers and dreamers. And But at the same time, Phil, you know, it's no secret that the entrepreneur who's just mortgages home to launch his business really does look at the term attorney as something that's strictly on the liability side of the ledger. And I'd like to, just as we kick off here, bust that misconception with two words, finding funding. In other words, could you give some of the company founders out there a few ways that a sharp legal counsel not only protects interests, but can make the cost of money a whole lot cheaper? Sure, Bart. Uh, Using the contacts that an experienced uh, deal and commercial attorney has can really help a company identify both angel investors and consultants that they need uh, in order to get to the next level in finance. Uh, The consultants can provide advice on how to position the company and what's needed structurally to attract and interest potential investors and strategic Uh. partners. And it's also very important to uh, get some help in preparing for the due diligence that most careful investors will require when the Mm. appropriate legal structures and documents and contracts are in place, it becomes much easier to interest sophisticated investors in providing money. And you can also, I assume, keep that VC uh, from bringing his two brother-in-laws onto my board and and, uh, tossing me out in the curb. Well, yes, uh, part of uh, my (laughs) practice... That's good. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) And the practice... 
of, uh, of lawyers who are hired by the entrepreneur and founders instead of by the venture capitalists is that your lawyer has your interests at heart. And, uh, you know, I have heard very sad stories of entrepreneurs who have grown a business and because they weren't represented independently when the investor came in, uh, there were provisions in the documents that permitted the investors to push out the founder before he or she had realized the full value of all their efforts. And I think that that is uh, extremely unfortunate, and it's one of the costs of trying to get by without adequate legal help. Well, I, I think you're, you really touched on it because one of the real traditional roles of the business attorney uh, is to guide the owner in protecting his personal assets, whether it's the whole company or, or any part of it. And I was wondering if you could just to sort of help drive home that nail into the consciousness of the entrepreneur, have you, I'm sure you have a, a war story to tell about someone who didn't uh, take that preemptive uh, care. Could you you share one with us? Yes, fortunately not among my clients, but I have seen cases where uh, individuals have had to give up some substantial personal assets as a result of a misstep in their business. And that's one of the reasons why with my clients I always recommend having a, a legal entity in place, a limited liability company or at the point where the company is looking for outside financing, a corporate entity, and then to maintain those appropriately. The other thing that entrepreneurs may not um, understand or appreciate, and this is one of the things that you won't get on the legal Zoom site, is that even if you have an entity in place, it's also important to have insurance in place for that entity either errors and omissions insurance for consultants or general commercial liability insurance for um, a standard uh, producing uh, entity. Because a, uh, an aggressive litigator who has a claim against the corporation uh, won't necessarily accept that they can only attempt to seize the assets of the corporation they will find a way to allege that uh, a person as an entrepreneur either incorrectly set up the corporate entity or incorrectly ran it. So therefore it opens the door to something that's going to have my grandchildren paying three generations down, right? Well, uh, or at least uh, taking the uh, trust funds that you otherwise would have used for the education of your grandchildren. And so having that insurance in place is extremely important because what it does is it provides a basis for paying for the defense of the case. And that's Ah, something that people tend to forget, that in order to defend your personal assets, you do need help and you need a lawyer to do that. The insurance that you have your entity purchase helps to do that. Of course, that fulfills it up. All right, now, with that brief and tempting aperitif at today's Feast of Wisdom, allow me to fulfill my duties as proper host and lay before you a few utensils for the furthering of our feast. So as first utensil, um, as I always do, Allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good Lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of Chief Executive Officer of yourself. 
And since that's really the most important position you'll ever hold in your career, allow me to ask, will this be the day that you take a solid stare at just what you're doing and determine its meaning? Meaning to you, meaning to the rest of this terrestrial orb. And say that meaning out loud, or will you continue to live out the old joke that my life holds meaning just so long as I can avoid reality? The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, you need to steep your lips right now into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Quips book. So let's meet. I'm pulling it out right here as we speak. Um, and okay, okay, let's get this one while the summer's still with us. Business is the perfect accompaniment to golf. It allows you to play through 18 frustrating holes and still accomplish something. <laughs> Phil, do you play golf? Yes, I do, and and one of the reasons why I continue to practice law is the nature of my golf game. Oh, <laughs> yes, keep keep the day job. Yes, right. Well, I, I I am afraid I'm not old enough, or or I'm I'm sort of the GB Shaw uh, idea uh, gentleman that that golf is a nice walk spoiled, but. As an afterthought to that quip, I, I should say, life needs balance, that you really need to blend something at which you are particularly good, uh, business, with something at which nobody ever seems to be quite good enough. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit bartsbooks.com, that's B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S.com, and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips, and you are going to have an absolute quiver full of clever-tongued comments that are going to make you the green-eyed envy of everybody in the old work chain gang. And as a third utensil, I think perhaps appropriately we should entitle this for today the baby step spoon, we are going to proffer you the answer to last week's business quotation. That is the name of the author who noted, if you wish a general to be beaten, send him a huge briefcase full of instructions. If you wish a general to succeed, give him a destination and bid him conquer. Uh, that little bit of managerial truth was spoken by none other than the brother authors of Guesses at Truth, Julius and Augustus Hare. And only two people got that one. And later on in the show, Blurting Your Way, comes another enriching quotation. And if you are among the learned souls who know the author of that quote, just simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email that right off to info at bartsbooks.com. That's I-N-F-O at B-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-K-S dot com. And if you are correct, your knowledge will earn you a marvelous gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books bookstore. So, with all these utensils in hand, return with me to the Enterprise Launchpad, cushioned very nicely, thank you, by the expert legal counsel uh, and the expertise of Mr. Philip Crowley, Esquire. Uh, Phil, I want to do something. I, I, I normally don't go into at length into people's uh, guest bios, but you, you have something. You have a few things in your resume that are just amazing. You start off as a physicist, uh, and then for some reason... Uh, you you left honest work and became an attorney, and you, and um, then in, but in addition to handling everything from uh, regulatory issues for J and J, you you've served on the law committee for the bio 
tech uh, industry organization, chaired, chaired the Pharmaceutical Product Stewardship Work Group, the Pharmaceutical Environmental Health and Safety Roundtable in Washington. And all of this with 32 years at J&J, and at, during which time you put out one million compliance uh, programs. How, does, how, do, how do people put out a million of them? Well, uh, it was uh, through the use of uh, computers and information technology. Based on my um, background in science and technology, I've always been a fan and an advocate for the application of information technology to help lawyers work smarter. And uh, we were able to put together an online compliance training school that was able to deliver those one million course sessions to our employees worldwide, centrally managed, centrally um, accounted for, and monitored uh, in the law department. And I found that the use of technology increased dramatically the positive impact that lawyers had throughout the corporation by helping people, just as uh, as we're doing today, Bart, to understand, uh, not necessarily become uh, jailhouse lawyers, but to understand right. what the critical issues are, and then when they recognize those issues, understand when and where they need to get help in order to deal with them. Yours is a very tradition-bound profession, and I'm really glad to hear you say that, Phil, that yes, there is technology, yes, there are broader ways to uh, bring to, to uh, get the scope uh, and at the same time, the laser-focused issue uh, brought up and held to light. So good for you. Um, now, uh, back to the world of entrepreneurs. You know, <laughs> the truth of it is, Phil, mo uh, most entrepreneurs select attorneys the way people select wine, and by price only. And both are wrong, by the way. Uh, we'll have another show on wine. But for now, uh, let's let's say I'm launching a. Uh, uh, pharmaceutical uh, testing phase phase one to four testing service and um, I'm smart enough to see that I need ongoing legal counsel uh, could you give me a, a sort of a lawyer shopping checklist of a couple of things I should be looking for when I'm attorney shopping certainly Bart that's an excellent question uh, because starting with the fee per billable hour is the is it's an easy place to start but it's not the best way uh, here are some questions and activities I'd recommend that your CEO audience be looking for for legal representation. First, uh, find out how long uh, the lawyer has been in practice. Uh, secondly, right. find out what types of matters they handle. Uh, are they a divorce attorney? Are they involved in environmental law? Or are they a business lawyer? And you want to find out in what proportion they handles, handle those matters. My experience is that lawyers who specialize in a particular area may cost a bit more, but can get mm. tasks done more efficiently and more quickly than someone who has to do it, who's doing it for the first time. And then another yeah. question to ask is whether or not the lawyer specializes in any types of matters or practice areas. The lawyer that you as a CEO want is someone who specializes or does most of his work in that particular area. 
And then here is a, um, a question to ask that is indicative of whether or not you're getting the type of lawyer you want, uh, and that is describe your proposed matter and then ask the person how familiar they are with not only the law but the business issues in those areas. Because for, uh, you, good, as a CEO, for you as a CEO to obtain really good advice, you need to have someone who has a sense of, of the business area and who has done uh, transactions and represented companies. And then finally, uh, ask about the flexibility uh, in the payment of fees. Some lawyers are willing to work with uh, companies, particularly startup companies, to defer fees or to uh, arrange for the payment, uh, use of a promissory note to pay fees over a period of time. And uh, you'd be surprised at the accommodations that you can acquire if you just ask for them. Phil, is there any uh, advantage to per-project fees versus billable hours, um, retainers? Any, any? Uh, there is, is there some sort of rule of thumb for that? Or there's no real rule of thumb, Bart. I mean, the fixed price is good for cookie cutter work. If you're perhaps buying a commercial building. Uh, that doesn't uh, require a great deal of refurbishing. Someone who uh, dedicates their practice to real estate, and particularly commercial real estate, may be able to provide a fixed fee for that process because they've got it systematized. And if they're doing 10 or 15 closings a week, they can do it extremely efficiently. But if it's an open-ended project, it's difficult for the lawyer as well as for you to agree on what a fixed fee might be, because it's just unclear how much work may be required. But that then goes sure. back to the selection criteria that I suggested. How familiar is the lawyer with the issues that arise in that particular business area? If the person is familiar with the areas, he or she may be able to suggest to you approaches that uh, wouldn't necessarily um, be at top of mind for someone who's not familiar with what can be done in that business context. I would like to just take a, a, put that down. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a quill pen moment here. That is one of the eternal truths of business, uh, which Phil has just uttered. So I'd like you all to take your quill pens, dip them in your inkwells, and jot this down, that you don't assume, but rather you ask, when you are hiring an attorney or anyone contractors or someone partnering in with your business, ask them what they know about your business and have them tell you what they think and what some of their ideas could be. Get that information up front and you will make your judgments much better. Phil, I thank you for bringing that up. And if you have just joined us, you are listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misunderstood realms of cyberspace, where you may listen and download it by visiting blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. Okay, wait a minute. Calm down here. Blogtalkradio.com slash the art of the CEO. And... Now, at this particular uh, point, we've we've come ahead, we've jumped, leapt ahead. Time has gotten away. So, um, 
and valued revelations have flowed across our table, so it is time really to take a brief sorbet from the Wise Feast and allow me to introduce to you the company by whose good graces we are here today. And that company is Prometheus Publishing, creator of, among several other divisions, Bart's Books, Ultimate Business Guides, and this very day, Prometheus Publishing would really like to invite you to look at one of the books that has helped a great number of individuals in their careers, and that's So That's How They Do It, Tactics of Business Masters. And this has been one of my favorite books projects because, well, really because of the readership. Uh, it was designed... Uh, for those people that we at Bart's Books term the energized elite, you, you know who you are. You're that individual who wants a satisfying, fulfilling idea, and you're willing to get up from your swivel chair and go out and seek it and invest in a book and invest in whatever that it will take to get that business to them. Well, we've, this book has gathered of the smorgasbord of tactics from some of the wisest minds in business, and uh, it offers you tools that apply and will also set your mind pondering for other innovative ideas. And again, you may find that book uh, at bartsbooks.com. And while you're at the bartsbooks.com, ferreting out all that marvelous knowledge, don't forget to click on the little blue mailbox on the home page and subscribe to Bart, uh, Bart's Best Business Quips, which will for absolutely free send you the gift of laughter and wise afterthought winging your way by email every week. And speaking of wise after and wise forethoughts, um, I invite you to pry wide your ears and minds as we continue with Attorney Phil Crowley telling the entrepreneurs uh, what kind of legal counsel is really going to serve them most profitably. Uh you, you mentioned one thing, Phil, about uh, the online legal shops, uh, and I, I, you hear it, and it always makes me wince. You know, oh, I just get my contracts off of LegalZoom, and you gave me one reason not to. But I, here, let me give you a, a situation or two that, uh, and you tell me the benefits of a flesh and blood lawyer. That what you do for me, as opposed to my going online and and. Uh, cutting and pasting a, a form. Okay, the first one here is a partnership agreement. I'm going into business uh, to create marvelous widgets with my beloved brother-in-law, and we're going to do this at a business together. Okay, do I get? I can get the partnership off LegalZoom. What would you do for me? I would first advise you, do not use a partnership, <laughs> because in a partnership... <laughs> okay. In a partnership, from a legal point of view, Bart, any action by either partner in within the scope of the partnership in, as part of the business binds the other partner. So if your brother-in-law inadvertently does something uh, and part of the business, uh, enters into a contract that you told them not to enter into, or uh, is uh, guilty of some... Brother-in-laws are good um, uh, Yes, misstep in the business, you could be liable, and a partnership puts at risk the individual assets of the individual partners. And so I would always recommend, if you're going out to LegalZoom, get the form for the legal liability, uh, limited liability company that is relevant for your particular jurisdiction. I think that that provides and promotes the least harm. The other thing that you need to do once you have formed the limited liability company is to ensure that every time you enter into a written contract, and I'm hoping that every time you 
uh, enter into an engagement, a sale, a consulting arrangement, or any kind of right. contractual arrangement, that you write things down so that afterwards you have a clear record of what you promise to give, what the other party promised to pay, and what the standards are for providing that. Now, that in itself... This is even verbal stuff you want me to write down, right? My verbal exactly, because uh, okay. here's another thing for our CEOs to remember, that an oral contract is not worth the paper it's written on. <laughs> Yes, I I, uh, I found even, that out when I was married. married. <laughs> That's a terrible thing. I've been married very happily for many years. <laughs> but, uh, Bart, the, the thing that uh, people have to realize, particularly in dealing with larger companies, is that you may have a wonderful rapport with the person on the other side of the table and have a clear understanding of what you're both going to do. Uh, if you don't uh, put that down in writing – when that person moves on and someone else is responsible for your contractual relationship, they don't have any of that context. They may have, hopefully, a written contract that sets forth the expectations. And unless you have taken the time to work through that with your counterpart on the other side, you're at risk of having somebody have a different recollection of what was agreed to and that can lead to conflict, and conflict or confusion can lead to litigation. And my view is always to try to reflect as clearly as possible what the parties have in mind. That's the best way. Well, one of the things to, on that would be uh, intellectual property. Oh, I'm sorry. Hmm? I was just going to say that one of the things along that line, uh, intellectual property, uh, there are many rules and, and many preemptive setups uh, for the employee or, or the partner or uh, the uh, worker in your business that would uh, that can be set in place. Uh, are, are there not? I mean, there's uh, you can guard your intellectual property. You can guard his going to a competitor and so forth. Can is, is that's something that should be be looked into? I assume, right? Uh, that's right. That's another reason why it's uh, useful to have written agreements with both contractors and employees. With respect to contractors, there is an in intellectual property, a work-for-hire doctrine. And what the work-for-hire doctrine provides is that for intellectual property, if you state in a written agreement that the work being done by the consultant is a work for hire and it's owned by your company, then you own that intellectual property. If you don't do that, particularly with independent contractors, you may wind up with what a court would find to be a license to use what they have produced, but they retain the ownership. Here's a case in point, which uh, I can give yeah. you as a war story. One client oh, yeah. had a very extensive, uh, beautifully uh, done uh, with artwork catalog of uh, various types of products and describing certain conditions for which they were indicated. Uh, they didn't have a work-for-hire doctrine in place, and they wanted to revise the catalog and wanted to move on to a new and, in their view, a, uh, a better contractor. The contractor right. pointed out to them that they had never had a written agreement in place and that the oh contractor retained the rights to modify that catalog. So they had to go back to the original contractor in order to get the modifications done. 
and presumably oh at a higher price than would otherwise have been. The oh, case. sure, yeah, he's a, because he literally had uh, he, he had them over the IP barrel in every every way. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well, I must admit, I I know that uh, being in publishing, we we face this sort of things as, as with the as you see books as told to and so forth, and if you're not careful, uh, you could have both the hiring author and the uh, person who actually penned the words, each publishing the same book by the same title and scrabbling for a single ISBN number. And it, it's, uh, I mean, it is possible if you don't do that. But, Phil, I do have one confession to make, and that is for many, many occasions, um, I have written my own contracts. Now, I am not Marcus Tullius Cicero, I admit. And the wording on my contracts is all mine. I employ, admittedly, an adjectival poignancy that would make most attorneys blush. But uh, after I've crafted everything I want and put it in their attorney, only then do I run it by my legal counsel for approval. Is that a, a, a solid and thrifty tactic, or should I be strung up by my quid, quid pro corpus? No, no, I think it's a good idea. It's always good to force yourself to crystallize what your thoughts are about a relationship. And mm -hmm. writing it down in your own prose is a wonderful way, so long as you take that to your lawyer, and then hopefully it's somebody who understands your business and has experience in your business and then can work with you to craft it into a document that really protects your opportunity for profit. And you know mm -hmm. there are lawyers out there who understand the need to take risk to garner profit and protect you from unwanted liabilities. Oh gosh, you, you've you've given us so much here, fellow. I know we're just we're just touching the tip of the iceberg. Uh, but so before we sign off, uh, how might our listeners, uh, even if they're not brand spanking new entrepreneurs, how might they avail themselves of your wise counsel? Uh, they can reach me via email at crowleylaw at outlook.com. That's C-R-O-W-L-E-Y-L-A-W at outlook.com. Or visit me on my website at www.philcrowley. That's P-H-I-L-C-R-O-W-L-E-Y.com. I'd love to speak Excellent. with them. Excellent. And also Speaking of speaking, you are going to be able to hear uh, Phil give uh, Lunch and Learn uh, lunches beginning September at the uh, New Jersey Institute of Technologies in, uh, Enter Enterprise Development Center. So watch the website for that, and also watch our website, theartoftheceo.com, where we will be putting up uh, the dates for that. Uh, Phil, I thank you so much for coming on. And, it, again, can you promise that you'll come back and help us out a little further? I'd love to do that, Bart. Great. Thank you so much. So today, as we round out our feast, um, once again, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's business quotation. Who was it who said, you may have heard about Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and here's another day. Giving Tuesday. On Tuesday, after Thanksgiving, shoppers should take a break and donate what they can to charity. Nice idea. And as a hint, this cyber mogul who said this puts his dollars where his charitable mouth is.
And remember, if you know the author of this quote, just scribble that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely power-thrusting, career-changing gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, the mission of American business seems to be to convince you that you are playing catch-up with your career. You are not. Delete the news hounds and all the comparisons and just enjoy the adventurous ride. And to you, gleefully sharing our feast, I hope you've enjoyed the Art of the CEO show as much as I and Phil have enjoyed bringing it to you. And remember, you may download this and all our shows at blogtalkradio.com slash theartoftheceo. And finally, to you who have honored us with your time, May I say, as always, it has been a privilege. I thank you.